they're, you know, speaking of, and you know, you know, you know, you like my nose. <laughs> Drop the shoulder, go for the pylon. I want to see it. Dun, 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 dun. Guess what? If you're an Idaho fan and you wanted to go to a big stadium, you've had USC, Nebraska, Ole Miss, LSU, uh, Florida State, Florida, like <laughs> Penn State now. Like, you've had your chances to go to big games. Texas A&M, screw Boise State because we can't play them at home. So I'm okay if that game never returns. And that, I will put that on the record. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and Pool, to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals. I am your host, Chris, and with me as always today, we have TJ. What's up, Vandals? And Brian. Hey, everyone. Good to be back. And today's episode is brought to you by Montucky Cold Snacks. Well, uh, let's just jump right into Around the Bar, get it over with. Breathe, everybody breathe. That's That's the main takeaway from this most of you know if you didn't because it was labor day weekend congratulations you had better plans than watching idaho lose 79 to 7 to number 14 penn state of the big 10 uh which ironically i don't know if you guys well we talked about it in the pregame show i guess 75 9 i was pretty close mm-hmm. add, add a couple and minus a couple yeah mm-hmm. uh what four and two so mm-hmm. a two point difference all together or no four and four but um yeah, it was pretty close, and then you guys had 40, had to score in some touchdowns. Uh, it was a very interesting game. Um, we're going to get into our takeaways here in just a second and just really break down what little there probably is to break down, but we'll give it a chance. But as this is kind of an Idaho preseason of sorts, and the quarterback competition is supposed to be three weeks long before we get into uh, the Eastern game, which is when we want to have our, our starter. I figured it'd be fun if we did almost like a blind taste test of sorts to our listeners by kind of running through stats and having everybody guess who they think the stat belongs to. That way they kind of have an idea of who actually played better and who actually played worse instead of um, us just telling them what we thought. But since I know TJ was probably the least likely to look at and or remember – (laughs) <laughs> the box score. I'm going to run these by you, and I want you to tell me. Well, obviously, it's pretty easy in this game to see which one you'd rather have. Mm. So we'll probably mix it up over the next three weeks how exactly we'll do it. But today we're just going to give you stat lines. I want you to guess which one was Mason and which one was Colton. How's that sound? There we go. Let's do it. All right. 11 for 17 or 5 for 9. Uh, 11 for 17 was Mason, 5 for 9, Colton. That was correct. Somebody threw for 91 yards. The other one threw for 50 yards. 91, Mason. Okay, that's all. Uh, also correct, which means 50 was the Colton. Somebody threw no touchdowns and no interceptions. The other one threw one touchdown and one interception. This one's pretty easy. You thought I wasn't actually watching. <laughs> one touchdown, one interception, Mason. One quarterback had four rushes. The other one had six rushes. Remember, rushes also count as a sack in college football. Ooh. Doesn't well, mean they actually ran I'm gonna the ball go with, forward. Mm, he, did he read off him that much? Uh, he, Colton with six rushes, Mason with four. Uh, Colton Richardson had four rushes. Mason Petrino had six. 
One of the quarterbacks ran for ni- negative 19 yards. The other one ran for negative 25 yards. Wow. Uh, Colton, negative 19. Mason, negative 25. Correct. Wow, that was pretty good, other than the rushing attempts, yeah. which just means that Mason got sacked more, which makes sense because he was in more. Leading into our big takeaways, Brian, you just had to stay quiet the longest while we did our blank taste test on TJ. What are some of your takeaways from Idaho's 79-7 to paycheck game against Penn State and Happy Valley? I'm going to hold off on getting to the quarterback thing as long as possible uh, because like many long-suffering Vandal fans, that is not an exciting conversation for me at this point. Um, the, the main positive that I think fans should take away, would, and this will sound surprising because of the 79-7 score, is early on our defensive line looked not just pretty good, but they looked a little bit disruptive against Penn State. Uh, specifically what I'm talking about is the first offensive series Penn State had which was well into Idaho territory because of an Idaho turnover on downs. Um, our defense had pretty close to a goal line hold. Penn State had to settle for a field goal, and Penn State didn't have a they, they didn't score a touchdown not because you know they threw a bad pass or something like that. Our defense made it impossible for them to have a good look in that first series. And when I saw that, I I thought, okay. This is great news. This is one of the areas we had to improve on. Now, of course, they couldn't sustain that the entire game because the talent gap is just way too big. But uh, big picture, our defense has to be better. And we did see some evidence from our defensive line mostly early on that we may have made some strides there. I I just want to follow up with exactly what you just said. I think that Idaho did a really good job in those first couple series showing on defense. Speaking of... Uh, the first drive when Idaho went for it on fourth and one or fourth and two, whatever it was, I was actually pro that decision um, just because what do you have really to lose in that game? That could get some momentum and throw Penn State off. Uh, but then, you know, the defense really buckled up and was able to hold them to a field goal. And then later on in that drive after a bad punt, you know, they were able to really buckle down again on, like, the goal line. And I, I was really impressed by how well Idaho's defense, and specifically the defensive line and linebackers, played early on in that game but idaho didn't have a first down until after what like 10 drives or something like that so eventually they just got worn out and that's how 79 points gets put up on you but uh that was i i definitely agree that the defense looked pretty pretty darn good early and that's that's a really good sign and something you can at least take away from this game um, TJ, do you have any additional takeaways or anything you want to touch on on what Brian just said? Yeah, the the defense was something to get excited about. You know, watching the game down in Boise, Aparia, it was you know something to hold them to those first two starts, especially after that really crappy punt. And you, we thought that that was going to be put in. You know, I thought it was going to be put on the other side of the opposite side of the field and and get that position. But that was really exciting to see. You know, I got up for it. You know, holding holding them two of those third downs and and keep me in one for eight to start a third down um my kind of takeaway which you know anyone was who was around me that night what, what what i was mainly frustrated about was kind of the play calling on both mason and colton's side um they're two completely different quarterbacks and i get the the plays that mason is able to run and they worked for him to inch down the field and eventually score a touchdown in that fourth quarter but you know when colton's in the game to, to have a read option for him is, is not the correct play, I don't think. And I get every now and then throwing it up and mixing in with the defense, but it just seems like we really didn't open things up, and we continue to run the same plays into their D-line, which, you know, it's one of the best defenses in the country. And you got to show them something. You know, hopefully 
to 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 make them second guess themselves and you know maybe get a big play downfield. But I was just kind of frustrated with what we ran with Colton. You know, he he's an opportunity to open the field up, maybe run something deep. I know he had a couple of tries that he overthrew, but you know some of the play calling is just very frustrating to watch. And and that's kind of what embarrassed me was we didn't change things up too much from quarterback to quarterback, and that's what I wanted to see was that different style of quarterback for both Mason and Colton. So hopefully moving forward, if this is, continues to be a three-game quarterback battle, we see some different looks for both other than, you know, read option with Colton, who anybody on the defensive side know that he, sh- you know, doesn't and shouldn't have to run the ball. He should sling it and get it to the open open receiver. I think you're totally right on that. Some of my takeaways, I uh, anyone feel free to tap me on the shoulder or jump right in if, I go through these and you want to add something to them. So I'm just going to go over a couple things. And my main one was the punting game. I don't know what was happening. I don't know if it was just Penn State being that much better than us. I know we had one skip off the ground. We had Kate Coffey after them trying to punt it over guys charging in on him. But the punt game as a whole, just not really that solid. And I don't know how much of it's to blame on Kate. I just hope somebody in the big sky doesn't figure out the scheme that Penn State used because it looked extremely difficult for us to stop it seemed like Kate coffee who the announcers even said on the broadcast is one of the best punters in the nation really seemed to struggle against penn state um and i know that's something that we'll have to improve if we're going to do anything in the big sky because one of our biggest threats last year is being able to put the ball in great field position for us and really win the field possession game by having Kate coffee be able to hit 50 60 yard punts and not have people return them and pin them down and inside the 10 which was not the case against uh, Penn State. One of the other things that really uh, I noticed was uh, we just made one million four hundred fifty thousand dollars for that game, and we have an additional four hundred and something thousand coming to us when we play Wyoming. I know Colton Clark touched on this a bit with the white helmets going away. I also noticed we have no names on the back of our jerseys yeah, this season. I thought it was interesting too. Which I definitely checked, and I went through pictures from last year. Mm-hmm. We definitely had names on the whites last year. I think, if I remember right, maybe on the black jerseys we didn't, or maybe it was back when we had the silver ones. But it brings up a whole other point with the silver jerseys. I know those were, I think, banned by the NCAA because the numbers weren't readable enough or by the big sky, but then – I've seen teams use gray, where they're like the same jersey as Colorado. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why you know, we have now resorted to having gold helmets, which I think we should have. I don't think we should ever rotate out the gold helmets. But how come we're one of the richest schools in the FCS, but yet we're going to be literally down to just two jersey things, which I know isn't a big deal, but it was something I definitely noticed when we're on national TV, and it's the first game of the year, and you're trying to get people to learn some of these players' names. Like, I'm watching it with my dad. I'm going, oh, that's uh, Satchel Ancelotti, or Ancelotti. I always mess up his Ancelotta. name. Probably will all year. But I was like, oh, but I, I don't know because in my top of my head, I haven't seen him really play, so I don't have their numbers memorized. So it took me a little bit to start learning. Like, I think Jin Wright's, like, 11. But, like, it was a little difficult. And I'm supposed to know these players. Mm-hmm. And even I'm struggling going, oh, I think that was – Warrior Knoll, or, oh, that was Trey Walker, and I'm trying to figure out, and some players had some jersey changes, and I, I did not like that. I don't know how expensive it is to get names on the back of the jersey, the little sew plate, but you just made almost $1.5 million by some freaking name plates. That, that really bothered me. That was one of my takeaways, was just we're on national TV, and in my opinion, it was like, 
we look like we can't even buy nameplates anymore. And we literally discussed last week and have there's an article I wrote about it on FCSFansNation.com that we just made all this money and we're going to be the, make the most money out of the entire FCS. And that was just one little thing that really irked me, especially when the team – I mean, I'm so tired of these. <laughs> like, doesn't this just feel like Fresno State? And- I was going to say, it feels like a, a year ago when we're coming up on this. Oh, well, you know, I guess we're looking at week zero again starting over. But – I mean, we showed up on every national broadcast, you know, scoreboard. It's here's number 10 Penn State. And, you know, you think something, you, you try and put something for a fight, you know, get down the field and at least score a field goal so we can get up some points against them. But, you know, especially being in Boise watching that game, when you look up at the TV, you're, you're not proud, you're embarrassed. And, and that's what hurt the most, I think, was just saying, wow, I, yeah. Shit, this sucks. And in a way, it's a step forward because we did lose to Fresno State, what, like 70 to 10 last year or something. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it's it's better than the set because like, we're playing a way better team, a yeah. way better team in a way tougher place to play than Fresno. Although Fresno is kind of spooky. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, it's better. But, yeah, same thing. And, I mean, we all know it being from Washington. Most Vandal fans are closet Cougars or Huskies more so. Uh, we brought it up on the last podcast, but – a lot of them actively root for the other team and don't even admit to liking Idaho. And I had two of those people literally text me and go, wow, still rooting for Idaho? They kind of suck. And I'm sitting there going, this is what like alumni of the school are saying. Mm-hmm. It's like, I get it, but Eastern Washington went out and played a better team. I get Eastern's a better team, and they had a way more respectable score. I can deal with losing by like 35 or even the 40 that it was, but 79 to 7. Seven. Yeah. Losing by 72 points is absolutely ridiculous. And I know there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. It's not just the offense, not just the defense. Heck, you can't even blame this remotely on the quarterbacks, really. Like, I, I'm i just so – we can't have games like this at the beginning of the year because it just kills the momentum. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian, you got anything to say before we wrap up Penn State? Yeah, I got two parts I want to hit on. Okay. Um, first, the – you know, you talk about it being an embarrassment, and by the way, I completely agree. You know, one of the things I was hoping to see, and I didn't think we were going to have a close game, but I, I, expe- I was hoping that our secondary would at least be competitive. Of course, they're not. Idaho secondary should never beat the Penn State secondary. That's the talent gap between the, stu- the schools and between the top of the FBS and middle of FCS, which is where we're at right now. But our secondary looked pretty miserable. Uh, this season um, that we were miserable last year and I know we got a bunch of new guys and I don't know if the the problem is they just have to play together something like that or what we truly need to do is just say look Penn State needs to not be something we're comparing our guys to but I didn't see in the same way that I saw something promising out of our defensive line even while we were getting killed I saw nothing positive in our secondary at all It, it looked like we got beat to Essentially, any time there was close to one-on-one coverage, we were just dead. Um, and then offensively, you know, our line, I don't think we used to take away from our off line, which is part of why our quarterbacks struggled the way they, they did. Neither Petrino nor Richardson averaged more than 5.6 yards per throw. And that's we're, we're not going to win if we need to throw 26 times to get 141 total yards. But our offense was was tepid last year. We scored about 24 points a game in the big sky. And what we saw here is one, I thought some pretty dumb play calling, for example, fourth and one, the, the Penn state offense, the Penn state front seven is absolutely going to murder our front seven. Again, it's the talent gap. So the fourth and one run it up the gut 
on the first drive. I was happy we went for it on fourth, but I don't understand why we weren't spreading the ball, uh, which is the only way we when we spread our our, our offense out. That was the only time we had success. Oh, you know, Jeff, Colton had his best Jeff best Cotton play. balled out. So yeah, Jeff, like we started to figure out just if you throw the ball to Jeff Cotton. I mean, I know a lot of it late was against the not Penn State starters, but. Jeff Cotton had a fantastic game. A little quick slant to Jeff or out route or hell, a bubble screen would have been a better call. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, you know, uh, Colton's best pass or longest pass gain, I believe, was on a short hit to Jeff Cotton. And then Jeff Cotton made a guy miss. I believe it went about 30-ish yards or so. Those are the types of plays that Paul Petrino said our team needs to make. By the way, those are even though... Uh, Colton can't run. I still think Colton's a better quarterback for those kind of plays because timing really does matter right. uh, for for those quick hits. Uh, but I wish we would have seen more of that on the offensive end because, again, to me, we looked real predictable, and that was our problem on the offensive end last year too. Yeah, and I just want to touch one more thing on Colton that I just remembered when you brought that up. I, if he becomes a starter, and obviously none of us know if he will, did you notice, I mean, I know it was a joke. Barstool even tweeted about it for how he was listed at 6'4", 285. But that's 6'4", 285, Gross Matos or whatever, Yatos, the projected like top 10 pick from Penn State on the defensive line, literally had him by the shoulders, and it took him a good like second and a half to bring Colton down. It almost So if he's being able to like almost not go down by one of the top 10 projected draft picks this year, I wonder how some big sky, like I made fun of Southern Utah for being so small last year, I think it might take two of their defensive ends to bring him to the ground, which it's just something to keep in mind, I guess, as the season goes on, that a couple times in that game it looked like Penn State should have easily got him to the ground. And it all, like they actually like struggled to bring down Colton because, I mean, he's bigger than some of them, which was it, – it's, it's a little tiny positive in a real dark game. Uh, moving on to preseason game number two because, let's be honest – like, our first three games are our preseason. So, preseason game number two, we're playing our home opener. We're back in the dome, sweet dome, baby, as we're going to play face uh, D2 Central Washington. They are ranked number 36 as of recording in the Versus Sports Simulator's D2 rankings. Their mascot is the Wildcats. They're from Ellensburg, Washington, so about a – three-and-a-half, four-hour drive probably to Moscow. They're coached by Chris Fisk. He's in his first year. He has no prior head coaching experience at a college level. Uh, the Versus Simulator actually has only a 39-28 to 28 win for Idaho, so closer than most people would think. Uh, I don't know if last week's game hurt us, but uh, it is Central Washington's first game. What do you guys kind of expect to see out of this game? I like this scheduling a lot better than we had last year where, you know, we opened up with Fresno State and then we immediately went into Big Sky Conference, which... No, no, no. We played uh, Western New Mexico State the second game. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Um, But this is something, you know, this is a game that obviously we need to get up for. This is not something we need to lay down for, but this will also help us moving forward. It's like you said, this is... This is what we want as week one now moving forward. We got this out of our way, and this is what we need to focus on. Um, I'm excited to see how we do. Thank you, Verse Simulator, for that point score. Man, if we score that many points, I'll be a lot happier for the rest of the season. Um, but obviously we want to win in this, but we want to see a lot more improvement from both offense and defensive sides. Um, I know Brian was touching on secondary, and that's true. We can't let up plays like that ever for the rest of the season. 
Um, and this is a good test just to start out. You know, let's keep these guys in front of us and, and hopefully on offense see big plays, you know, out of both quarterbacks and, and make something happen. First off, this this has to be a rebound game for us. That That's part of why we schedule a D2 game like this is we, we have a scheduled loss in our bye game against Power 5 team. Then this is supposed to be a scheduled win against the D2 team. So one, just for enthusiasm's sake, this is a must-win game, but not just like a, a you know single-score game to me. This is a, to give fans a little bit of enthusiasm or at least give us permission to you know exhale. This is a game we better win by three scores. And the, the for one of the ways we should be able to be more effective against a team like Central Washington is we should be able to at least uh, have a little bit of progress on the ground against uh, Penn State. Andre Carter, because remember we still got we still have that running back competition going on. Um, Andre Carter received by far the most attention. He had 14 carries. Keon Martinez was the no, had the second most carries with three attempts. And uh, Nick Romano, who he he returned some kicks. I was surprised that he didn't get any rush attempts. Although again, against Penn State, we were going three and out all the time. They passed, so there were less bunch, plays. He, what he, he it, finished with what like five or six receptions, didn't he? Though, plus that target oh, should have been targeting on the first play. I was gonna say, you want to talk about a barstool post? That made it for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Romano finished with three receptions. Okay. Um, he was he was targeted a few more times. Uh, but I was a little bit surprised that he didn't get as rushing attempts. But again, like I said, we were three we three and outed the entire game. That limits the number of uh, of attempts a person can get. So I want to see some progress on the ground. And you know, I'm I believe the jury's in, and that Mason's going to be our starter, partially based off the fact that he received twice as many pass attempts the last game, partially based off the fact that he's the guy who trots out and starts every game still. Um, so it, you know, if, if we're going to see Mason play extended. Um, later in the season, I hope um, the arm strength that is supposed to be back because of the rehab shoulder, I hope we get a better chance to see it against Central Washington. Or at least if we don't see it against Central Washington, we just know it doesn't exist. Yeah, uh, I, I actually got to talk to friend of the pod, uh, Alex Boatman. We were figuring out when we can get him on the podcast for you guys again. And he, we, you know, we obviously touched on some stuff. And he did bring up that he, you know, he played with these guys last year. He does expect Mason to look a lot better. And I feel like for the little bit, we, we got to see a little bit of that against Penn State. And I'm not convinced. I agree with you, uh, Brian, that I'm trying to avoid the quarterback conversation until it's time to pick a starter. That's why I'm trying to do this blind taste test. But I, I would love to see if Paul, if not this game, at least starts Colton against Wyoming. Because even the announcers in the Penn State game, I know we just finished with that. We're bringing up, well, eventually we're going to see Colton. Well, we were told we were going to see Colton. You know, like, even they were like, thought this was supposed to be a competition. And this first guy doesn't look that great. He threw a big pick. And still Colton wasn't coming in a lot. So I'd like to see more of a rotation. I get that he wants to do, and Brian, you touched on it last week. He wants to see, like, sustained drives to see if somebody can get some momentum and really get rolling. Uh, so I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I just think maybe it's this time you start with Colton and give him that opportunity to have 17, 18, 19, 20 throws uh, if you're going to do it. So I would like to see a little bit more shared responsibility there. I get we're in the middle of a quarterback competition, which is why my cornerstool take last week didn't make much sense with all four quarterbacks getting snaps because it's not like Florida last year where it was end of the season. It didn't mean anything. He's actively trying to find a starter for the season so we can hopefully make a push to the playoffs or at least – build some momentum going into the next year 
which if it's Mason would probably kill the momentum because he'll be graduating. But, you know, at least maybe we can still the team will have momentum. The other thing is this game just it really it just really doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of like Penn State. This is nothing more than a tune-up game. And it's to figure more stuff out and get guys more reps. And then we're going to play Wyoming next week, and it's probably going to be more the same of us on this podcast saying a lot of the same stuff. Um, But who knows? Wyoming's a little bit more primed for us to compete against. But then again, we thought that last year with Fresno. and um, But I I just want to see more snaps. And I think some of, like, we just talked about we were surprised Nick Romano isn't getting as as many snaps as we would have guessed at the beginning of the year. I think a lot of that is – why give away too much if you can test little things? This has got to be viewed as a preseason. It's a 12-game schedule. It sucks that we really only get like nine real games this year, uh, which is pretty much all conference games. Speaking of Eastern's scheduled out of conference, so it's all going to be against the big sky. But this is what this is about. So you don't want to give too much away because if we really are believing the hype that they are really focused on Eastern, and Eastern is the game they are the most upset about last year, then they don't want to put too much on film. If Nick Romano is going to be this special guy, maybe you don't want to give him a lot of handoffs. Maybe have him practice on those pass receptions, which is something he needs to work on. Or with uh, Andre Carter, maybe him being a bulk back was something they were worried about, and that's why they're giving him more bulk carries and more dives. And They're more working on stuff that they know they're not good at is what we can hope for. And Paul is, for how much he gets hate from everybody, a very good tactician. I could see this as kind of part of his game plan here is really not putting too much on film, but still getting the answers that he wants. And that 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 is a really good point. That you know, they don't mean anything. So why why put all your best right. cards out on exactly. the table? Exactly. And and they are getting ready for what is going to be the big sky season. But you have to look at these quarterbacks, and we're, you know this isn't a quarterback argument because you know it's going to come down to the, these next two games. But you had you got to run. It's a different type of quarterback game. I, I completely agree that he is a tactician, and they do run great plays for Mason, but, you know, it, it was countless times they ran this read option for Colton, and it's like, you know, these guys have sniffed that out from the start. He doesn't want to run the ball, and I wouldn't either at, at his size. So, I, you know, i kind of like to see him more have those Matt Linehan plays, maybe, you know, a couple under snap that he's got quick slants or, or quick tosses or even, you know, a, a, a hitch and go, and that, that would be a good opportunity to see him light it up a little bit. I would just like to see a little bit more variation in that, but you are right that you know he doesn't want to give away all his cards, especially against Penn State and you know Central Washington. If you know you don't want to give too much away, but you got to give the guy a chance to let some fly. That's for sure. Um, Brian, TJ, yes. Yeah, so I'll agree about you know the idea of like against a team like Penn State, uh, maybe you don't empty you know the playbook, especially when you are you know at the at half we were down forty four to zero. Um, you, you probably don't need to try and give away too much. Uh, but against Central Washington, like I, I view this as a must-win game for us because, oh, and, totally and by is. the way, Coach Petrino is aware of, you know, let's say the, the political role that a coach has. And when I say that, what I mean is if fans aren't enthusiastic about this team, the dome will be empty. If the dome is empty, it's very hard to sell, you know, to sell the, the administration on future years of the of coach Petrino I mean in in a lot of ways if we could afford to let him go I wouldn't be shocked if this were essentially a contract year for him Uh, but skipping that conversation Scott Green has talked about the last decade that Vandal fans have of having a decade worth of of 
for the most part, pretty abominable football with a couple gaps in between and basketball that was pretty bad for a long time, then solid under Verlin, but never took the next step and then regressed significantly last year. If we're going to get fans excited after getting destroyed and embarrassed on national TV like we did against Penn State, we don't have a choice. We have to look good. And it does matter for fans to come out and be excited. It will matter for us when we have our first home game against Eastern Washington. If we're walking in 0-3 with a D2 loss or 1-2 with a narrow D2 win, I think that matters. Yeah, I agree. The good news is I think Eastern will sell no matter what. But the problem is, as we'll probably get to when we preview the Eastern game, um, if you lose that, you're one in, like you touched on one in three, or God, worst case scenario, which possible, 0 and 4. Yeah, you're not telling you what, no one's going to be at that Weber game. Uh, and I don't know how much it's going to take to get people to go to Idaho State. Like, you would, you would lose the season. The season would be a wash. Um, so hopefully that's not what's going to happen. Speaking of an empty dome as well, there is a team that's going to be traveling very well this weekend, and that'll be Central Washington. And I think they will fill up that away section pretty well, and I think it's going to come from both sides of, you know, from Idaho, from Montana, from Washington. I think they're going to travel really well, and they're going to be ready to show up to play. So that'll be a big factor as well. Yeah, we should see if Nick Farman from Northwest Spotlight, the guy we had on for the recruiting, is going to the game. Mm-hmm. Maybe he might be a good guy to meet up with. But um, I do think, kind of to touch one last thing on Brian's point uh, before we move on past Central Washington – um, I'm not convinced you have to empty the playbook to beat Central Washington pretty bad. Um, so hopefully I'm right on that. But I want to know what you guys think on that. And I think it's time for some score predictions. Brian, let's start with you. Is anybody going to topple my throne of being the closest this week? That what was is impressive. your score? That was impressive. Score prediction. We better win. To me, we need to win this uh, by a lot. But I'll, I'll throw out the number of... 42 to 28. Boom. Vandals win. I like it. I, well, yeah. <laughs> T, TJ? I haven't seen that much offense yet. I'm going to go 27-17. Whoa. whoa. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I'm going to be somewhere kind of like both, well, more towards Brian. Um, yes, Central Washington is the 33 best team in the Versus Sports Simulator. But one little tidbit there. Do you know who Central Washington plays next week? They play the number one Division II school in the country, Ferris State. I think they're going to be looking ahead. Yes, they'd probably like to upset Idaho, but that's not going to do them really any good other than maybe some bit of recruiting. But I think the fact that they have the number one team in the country next week in their division, they're a lot more focused on that and probably like we did against Penn State. They're worried about getting out of there healthy so they can beat Ferris State and move into the top 25 and really position themselves towards the Division II playoffs. I don't think they come into this game ready. I think it's going to be a lot like Idaho versus Penn State. Uh, I could see this one being 54-6. You know, and to, to add to that, Chris, Central Washington's in a transitional year. This is their, their head coach's first year. Last year's head coach is Eastern Washington's offensive coordinator this year. I hate that we have to talk about it this way, but – I agree with you that there's reason to believe that we will not receive Central Washington's best shot this coming week. Um, but fans should know Central Washington is a team that when you know people speculate about teams like us and Montana potentially moving up to the FBS at some point, Central Washington's a pretty average team for people to talk about moving from D2 to the FCS. You know, this this is a real program. 
And if we don't play well, a single digit win or a loss is certainly on the table. I that's a great point. Mm-hmm. But you know what else is a great point? Ain't nothing like cracking a Montucky cold snack, an ultra-refreshing light beer born in majestic Big Sky country. The best part is when you crack a snack, you're giving back. Montucky cold snacks donate 8% of all profits back to local causes, even right here in Idaho. 8% of their profits are donated to local Idaho causes, supporting organizations like the CW Hogs and the Idaho Food Bank. Yee-haw. That's freaking awesome. Montucky Cold Snacks, the light American lager for pow-pow rippers, gator anglers, pony riders, and badass do-gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today to find out how to get your ass some snacks. Corner Stool Takes Brian. Heat up this bar room. Mason receives more pass attempts, and Colton Richardson looks like the better passer. Other co- corner school take is when uh, Coyote Rufai plays in the second half. We will see at least one hit that makes fans pretty excited that he's here for his one year. One of those oohs where you almost feel bad for the central guy. Uh, yeah, which we, we had a little bit of that against Penn State. The downside is it was targeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with – I like the defensive side. I'm going to go with the defensive interception. We need this big, this game, for the defense to step up. Um, very hot take. Colton Richardson with a rushing touchdown. I don't think that's a very hot take. He almost scored one against Western New Mexico. Remember the interview afterwards where he's like, I'm kind of glad he got open because I was not really f- feeling like running that guy over yeah. or something like that. Now's the time, Colton. Yeah, I'd love Colton. Drop the shoulder. Go for the pylon. I want to see it. Da-da-da-da-da. Um, TJ, I'm going to kind of pick up where you left off. Uh, I debated with the defensive touchdown, mm-hmm. but I ended up deciding I really like Nick Romano taking some kicks and Jeff Cotton. We get a special teams touchdown. Nice. Wait, hold it, pause. But it won't be punt return or kick return. We are going to be just like last year against Western New Mexico State. We are going to block a kick or a punt and return that to the house. All right. I have the least controversial corner stool take ever, which is that Cade Coffee is going to average more than 33 yards yeah. a punt. That's that's just a safe bet. That's a cold take. That, that's a pull tap. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't beat he didn't beat that number against Penn State. That's why I bring it up. Yeah. I don't think it, there'll be a repeat performance, and I'm sure some of that was strategy just to big that. That that was pretty horrifying. Yeah. All right, it's time to get into the Big Sky Pick'em segment of the podcast. TJ, bringing up the rear. You went 10-2 and two last week. Ooh, rough week. Uh, Brian and I both went 11-1. and one. Oh, jeez. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's uh, pretty easy to do when... Um, You're playing D1 schools? Yeah, and D2 schools. <laughs> and Which is why we don't have a spread for this week's game. I was uh, not expecting that reaction. Right five, five names doesn't even have a spread for us against a D2 school or any D2 schools. But... Uh, um, Brian and I both missed the San Diego game. I forget which one you missed. So congrats to Cal Poly because that's mm-hmm. freaking awesome to steal one from Montucky's playbook. Um, but uh, the standings we're going to keep all season. Obviously, they're what we just read. TJ's ten and two. Brian is eleven and one, and Chris is eleven and one. So we're at top because of that. TJ, you're in last place, which means you get a pick first. So then we can school you with our picks later. We got. A repeat of, I believe, last year. We got Western State playing Idaho State's Idaho State's first game because they had a week one bye week. Wow. 
Uh, they're going to come out firing. I'm going to go with the Bengals at Idaho State. Uh, I'm also taking the Bengals. Brian? I'm taking Idaho State, but there will be a thing to watch in that game. Idaho State is still not named a starter between senior and Idaho transfer Gunnar Amos and junior Matt Stuck. That Matt Stuck and Gunnar Amos have a similar dynamic at Idaho State as Petrino and Richardson have at Idaho, where Stuck has the arm, but Amos is more mobile. Um, Idaho State wins that, but I, I, it's worth looking at the snap count between those two. Yeah, just like we just talked about with Penn State. Uh, now we got the Sacramento State Hornets are traveling to Tempe to face the Arizona State Sun Devils. TJ? Uh, I'm going to go with Pac-12 ASU. Uh, I am also going to take the Sun Devils. Brian? Uh, Sac State, but I do want to see if uh, quarterback Kevin Thompson, who looked great against NAIA Southern Oregon, uh, can look closer to the way he looked a couple years ago uh, when Sac State threatened for the playoffs versus last year when he played. And I mean, Sac State didn't win a Big Sky game last year. Just to make sure, we, you did predict Sac State to win. So, oh, good lord, no, Aaron. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, forgive I, me, misspoke. Arizona State. Arizona State. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was like, that should have been your hot take, <laughs> corner stool take. Uh, then uh, the mighty Eastern Washington Eagles, who are the number two team in the country, according to the Versus Sports Simulator. So, yes, you're going to notice some of these are a little odd. Uh, speaking of which, Idaho is 26th. So we, it's a lot like the Bennett rank last year. We might need to find a new ranking system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lindenwood of the D2 is traveling to Eastern. Uh, TJ. I'm going to stick with the Versus and Eastern Washington. I'm going to take the Eagles on the red turf. Yeah, yeah, Eagles win by 100. I want to see if uh, running back Antoine Custer, who was a pre-All-Big Sky player a couple years ago before injury, I want to see how he looks too. I think you're wrong. It's going to be a 99-point victory. All right. Uh, (laughs) Northern Colorado, the Mighty Bears of Greeley, are traveling to the Palouse to face our friendly neighbors to the west. Uh, The number 20-ranked Washington State Cougars and Mike Leach's air raid offense, TJ. I'm going to go with the Pac-12 Player of the Week, Air Gordon, and the Washington State Cougs. Uh, I'm also going to take Wazoo. I'm going to take Wazoo. Northern Colorado has the reigning worst defense in the big sky. Mm. It'll get ugly. Yep. Quick quick side note. Spread on this is 35 and a half points. Ooh. Would you bet it? I'd go for it. Where's Mr. Vegas Bryan? Are you, like, would you, do you think Wazoo is going to win by over 35? Or are you taking Wazoo in Northern Colorado at 35 I'd do and over. Yeah. Over? Uh, oh, I, t- I take WSU. Northern Colorado absolutely can't score. <laughs> good. You guys make me feel good about my bets. Uh, Southern Utah is traveling to number 10 Northern Iowa, who took uh, Iowa State number 21 at the time, or 21 or 22 in the country, um, to triple overtime. Yeah. And I thought they were going to pull it out. Um, TJ, who's going to win that game? Yeah, I think NIU has a really good t- team this year. I'm going to go with Northern Iowa. I do think this game is going to be trickier than it looks. I think a lot of that was Northern Iowa kind of treats Iowa State as a bit of a rival. So they might have overplayed in that game to where they're actually at. And I do think Southern Utah is not nearly as bad as they were last year. I do think this game is going to be a lot closer than even the spread on this game. But that being said, I do think Northern Iowa is going to pull it out because even with them overplaying and Southern Utah not being as bad, Northern Iowa is just a better team. And I'll take Northern Iowa, too. Uh, then we have number nine, UC Davis, playing San Diego. 
the team that Cal Poly uh, dismantled last week of the Pioneer League. Yeah, I believe that's where I went wrong last week was choosing San Diego, so I'm going to go wrong <laughs> the opposite of that, and I'm going to stick with UC Davis, Big Sky. Uh, I'm also going to take UC Davis. San Diego looks like they might just be bad. They accrued more than they, they accrued about 503 yards of offense against Cal Poly and still were blown out. So yeah, I'm going UC Davis. Yeah, you know you know what that means. San Diego is probably going to win. Uh, <laughs> anyways, Simon Fraser, who's also D2, am the only uh, NCAA team from Canada to play football. I believe that stat is correct. Um, either way, they're the only D2 school in Canada. Travels to Portland State, who probably has a smaller stadium than they do. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the big sky and go with Portland State. I'm also going to take the Vikings. They had an impressive, I believe, only six or seven point loss to Arkansas uh, in Fayetteville. So I'm definitely Portland State on the up and up. Yeah, I'll take Portland State too. Uh, then we have two games that will be on the FCS Fans Nation Pick'em, so we'll cover those here in a second. Uh, North Alabama travels to number 16, Montana. TJ, we got two picks left. Does anything mix it up here? I'm going to stick with the Grizz on that one. Um, I do think Northern Alabama will play good. They were actually competitive in Fargo last year in their first year up, but I think the Grizz home opener in Washington Grizz Stadium, (laughs) you'd have to be kind of dumb to pick against them. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Grizz. And against South Dakota, Montana's offense looked real good. They only scored 31 points, but they probably left about 21 on the scoreboard, part of, part of it from not being aggressive in the fourth quarter. You know, they have, I think, the best receivers in the big sky. I, I think Montana's for real in the playoffs this year, so I'm picking Montana. All right. So that uh, last one for the big sky that's not in the Pick'em Challenge. Uh, Northern Arizona, the Lumberjacks are just traveling interstate to Tucson to face Arizona. I'm going to go with the future Hard Knocks uh, college affiliates, Arizona Wildcats. I don't know quite what that means. I they're, thought was... they're on that new, uh, they're going to be on the new HBO Hard Knocks. It's I thought Wazoo was. Arizona and Alabama. Okay, I thought it was Wazoo. Anyways, it doesn't matter. We're neither any of the, I'm taking the Arizona as well. Late's corner stool take. I wish it was WSU on the hard knocks, uh, but I'll take Arizona. Northern Arizona did look pretty good in their home opener, but Missouri State wasn't that good. They also let Case Cookus get roughed up a bit in the first half, which if you're a big Sky fan, that uh, that's going to matter. SCS Fans Nation Pick'em Challenge. Week 1 results. Chris Hammond leading the way with 8. TJ bringing up second with 6. Brian did not register, so he has 0 points. I didn't take the time to tally yours because I thought that Lawrence and then would do it for me. Um, but going forward, we will keep track of your scores. Uh, I'll just register that. That's my problem. Yeah. We'll have to Starting make behind. Lawrence at least let Starting you behind. start logging in. Just trying um, to help you guys out, man. Yeah, you're just giving us a head start, uh, which brings the total standings and our total entrance to six. TJ, you maintain the lead with 12 points. Mitch Hopkins right behind you with 11 points. Jamie Hill has 9 points. I made a huge comeback, and now I'm right only 4 points behind you uh, with 8. I'm tied with the last entrant that responded to us, Connor Lindstrom, with 8, which means we're both tied for 4th, and then obviously Brian's at 0, which means we only have 3 people right now competing for a tub of 
Tub tokens. It's a close battle. Who wouldn't so, want that? Jamie, Mitch, and Connor, great decision on your part to join it. If you are already in the challenge, which some of you may be, and just knew that Penn State wasn't going to be close, so you didn't hear us say this last week. If you're in the challenge, let me know. I have a list I can with everybody that's in the challenge. I'll find you, verify it, we'll add you, and we'll keep score every year or every week and let you know where you're at. But let's get through these picks kind of quick. We got less to talk about because it's not the big sky. But the week two games, starting off with number seven, Kennesaw State versus the Kent State of the FBS Flashes. TJ. I'm going to go with Kennesaw. I'm also taking Kennesaw. Brian. Third, Kennesaw. All right. Uh, the Citadel versus Elon. Rise from the ashes. Tough loss last week. I'm going to go with Elon. I'm going to take the Citadel. Again, because I'm morally opposed to the triple option offense, I will <laughs> always pick against the Citadel, so I'm going to pick Elon. That's awesome. Central Arkansas versus Austin P. Uh, Central Arkansas. I'm also taking Central Arkansas. Big win last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm going to follow suit. This is, of all the games listed, this is the game where I'm the most worthless, so Central Arkansas. Uh, number six, Maine. I think they're the Bears or the Black Bears. Versus Georgia Southern, our for, okay. former... Sunbelt foe from I, the FBS. I don't think Maine is either of those, but <laughs> yeah, they're the Black Bears. Aren't I thought they? they're the Rams. What? That, no, that's no. Maine's, Maine's the Black Bears. Oh, Maine's the Black Bears. Okay, I was not thinking of Red Island. My bad. Um, Same colors. I'm still bitter about Sunbelt. I'm gonna go Maine. Uh, I'm taking Georgia Southern. They're real stinking good, and I believe, other than North Dakota State, the second most successful FCS program of all time. Uh, so I've got hope they'll beat Maine. Yeah, I'm going Georgia Southern. Maine's a top 10 FCS team, but I don't. they're similar to Weber. I don't think they have enough offense uh, to get an upset against a team like Georgia Southern. It only took two picks from the Citadel for you to pick a triple option team. Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> Number 11, Furman versus Georgia State. Georgia State coming off that huge Tennessee, quote-unquote, upset. Tennessee sucks. Uh, TJ. I'm going to ride with them and go Georgia State. Uh, I'm also going Georgia State, but Furman's going to be close. Georgia State. Uh, number 24, yep, you heard it right, versus Sports Simulator. Number 24, Cal Poly. First, yep, you're about to hear it right again. Number 14, Weber State, who was number two in the Big Sky Power Rankings this week. Uh, TJ. I'm going with the other WSU. Uh, I'm also taking Weber. I'm going with Weber State. Cal Poly is 52 against San Diego. Will not happen again. They They had... Five, it was either five or six touchdowns on plays longer than 30 yards, three on plays longer than 50 yards. There's no way that happens against Weber. Although people should think of Weber as the evil empire in the big sky because of how abominable that offense is. Uh, speaking of abominable offenses, Chattanooga versus the number 25, holding on by the skin of their teeth, Jacksonville State after arguably the most embarrassing loss last week. TJ. I don't know how much. I probably should stop talking about Jacksonville State. I think I, I think I curse them or something, but I'm going to go with the Gamecocks. Uh, I am also going to go with them. The Mocs are going to be a tough team, but JSU, I don't think anybody could beat JSU this week. They are, between their hype video being the creepiest, most sensual hype video of all time, watch and then losing to Southeast Louisiana, uh, I don't think anybody in the country could beat Jacksonville State this week. They are tired of being a laughing stock. They might be able to take North Dakota State this week. I swear to God. So I'll go Jacksonville State too. Although I would love for Jacksonville State because they have Eastern Washington next week. Nice. I'd love for them to start out zero and three. 
<laughs> that would be interesting. It would really quiet down FCS Fans Nation. Um, game of the week, speaking of SCS Fans Nation, it's game of the week. Number 21, Southeast Missouri versus Montana State. Both these guys were playoff teams last year. If you use like any other ranking system, they're both top 25 and a lot higher than 21 and not ranked. Um, TJ, who are you taking? I am going SEMO. Uh, I'm taking Montana State. I think Montana Parlay nailed it on the Big Sky Big Takes podcast last week. You take these teams out of the Missouri area and then you you bring them up to real high altitudes like bozeman i know it's not winter time there but i think they're going to struggle with the altitude and i'll take montana state yeah montana state starting a freshman quarterback casey bauman who his first d1 scholarship offer was to the university of idaho Um, i think that bauman right now he gives them an aerial threat that montana state didn't have last year he's not going to be a top like three big sky quarterback or anything but Montana State's going to be able to be a lot more creative on offense, and they're already real good on defense and special teams. They're at home. I'll go Montana State. All right. That would bring up where you, yes, you, out there, if you really like our Montucky Cold Snack ad, uh, this would be a spot where we would plug you in. Uh, we are looking for one more ad read during the podcast. You get about 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Um, contact us at tubs of the club at Gmail or reach out to us on Twitter if you're interested, and we'll talk pricing. But – your ad goes here, so grab your ass some snacks. I'll plug Montucky again because they deserve it. Now, I want to know what FCS game are you guys going to be watching this weekend after we just talked about all the games. It doesn't have to be on there, um, but let's keep it FCS. They can be playing in FBS school, I guess, but I'd love to see some FCS matchups if you have them. Um, I'm going to go with that game of the week, SEMO Montana State. So I can't watch the North Alabama-Montana game because I'm going to be at the Dome watching Idaho and Central. So the, the most interesting game to me is SEMO-Montana State. Montana State has a ton of theoretical momentum in their direction. Part of it has to be with just how they won the last game of the season against Montana, then hosted a bad incarnate word in the playoffs. Um, I, I want to see how this Montana State team looks against a real FCS team. I, think, I, I really think the jury's, still, uh, the jury's still out on whether this team is actually that good or whether they're just going to be solid. Although we forgot to touch on that, too. A couple things we forgot, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, for, it's a night game. We haven't had a night game in a yep. while, so that's pretty cool. The Central Washington game, that is. Um, as far as FCS games I'm going to watch, like I said, I think JSU is tuned in for a big butt-kicking game, but I don't think Chaganudo is going to roll down lightly. That's a game I would keep my eye on. And normally we'd roll in the TJ's wing corner segment here, but – the idiot host who shall not be named uh, skipped right past hashtag STATC earlier. We were on a so, roll. So we'll do that um, after the TJ Wing segment after hashtag STATC. Starting out with Nick Marv Stutz. I believe it's Nicholas Stutzman or Nick Stutzman at Nick Marv Stutz. How should our out of conference money games be scheduled going forward? How many P5 versus G5 teams, etc.? dot 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 hashtag ask t-a-t-c tj i want to hear your uh take on this first i do like opening up with these teams like this you know these big big games to start the season i feel like that's what a lot of these big sky teams do um i know it's kind of considered a tune-up game for you know to open the season depending on who we're playing um but i like that right at the start of the season and you know hopefully as we become more of a a better program within the big sky. Hopefully these games people will look at and say, oh man, like the Vandals can come back and surprise somebody with these. 
Um, but I do like how we do, you know, following these big games, we schedule these D2 schools to kind of say, all right, you know, let's reload and, and come out with a win and start our, you know, our start our season fresh and get that win. Um, I like it right off the start. And then, you know, following that, scheduling that D2 school, I like a lot. So then I want to know in your preferred – so normally it's an 11-game schedule, right? I guess you just nailed it. So you would like us to play a Power 5 team and then a Division 2, 3, or NAIA team yeah, I mean, for out of conference every year? You know, I hate to bring up a certain college at the Southern, you know, BJ – or sorry, BSJC, um, but – you know, they, Freudian slip. Yeah, right. They they gear up all summer for these games, and you know, if our schedule you know works out right, we could do that too to get ready for you know a game that we could surprise some people, and and that would be awesome. If if it's somebody who's kind of a lesser of a of an SBS FBS team, that would be awesome to just you know focus on that all summer. You know, get that D two school out second game, and and then start the big sky from then. Brian, where do you stand on the P five versus? D two versus group of five, FCF. What's your preferred scheduling? So I want our, I want Idaho to compete for the playoffs, which means they need to have, have as many FCS games as possible. So because buy games are going to have to exist because the financial state of the school, I want us to be scheduling Power Five games with the biggest payout possible. They're likely scheduled losses. It sucks that we can't schedule Boise State, uh, but because I care more about Idaho making the playoffs at this point, I'd rather get the Power Five payout and then have a little more flexibility to schedule FCS games. I know we do Division II games. I actually talked with Pete Isaacson after listening to the podcast last year. Um, he told me the D2 games are scheduled because they cost about $80,000 total. Um, wow. That's that's part of how they make the schedule feasible. Uh, but you know, I, I wish we had something like Montana this year. Montana plays Oregon in week three, but otherwise it's three FCS games. Same with Montana State. They opened up with Texas Tech, then it's three FCS games. That's what I would like because then we don't have to win 80% of our conference games to have a prayer at the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I guess I misspoke. So we have four out-of-conference games this year. We don't typically have two. We typically have three. So I guess your preference, normal season, three games, how would you schedule it if you you were the AD right now? FBS opener against a Power 5 school, then then uh, compare then FCS teams that project similar to how we performed the year before. So Power 5, FCS, FCS. So I take a totally different approach, which is kind of nice. I'm more similar to you, Brian, than I am to TJ. I hate these Power 5 games, especially early in the year. It's not like we're a school who hasn't played them before. So guess what? If you're an Idaho fan and you wanted to go to big stadium, you've had USC, Nebraska, Ole Miss, LSU, uh, Florida State, Florida, like <laughs> Penn State now, like you've had your chances to go to big games, Texas A&M. I don't feel sorry for you for not getting to go to big stadiums anymore, but let's focus on winning. I would like to see us play much like Northern Colorado did. Every couple of years, I'd like us to play Wazoo like we're currently doing. I'm totally okay with that. Keep Wazoo on the schedule. Uh, maybe on years where we have these 12 games and you're allowed four, then I'd be okay playing like Eastern did, a Washington or Montana is with an Oregon, maybe USC, UCLA. Keep it Western, uh, maybe some Texas schools. But let's not go to Pennsylvania or Florida anymore. Let's just cut those loose. Normally, so I'd like to see us play a lower-tier kind of group of five team just to get a little bit of payout, 400000 kind of like we are with Wyoming. I'd be okay with a lot of Wyomings. I want to see – I'd love if we just played old Big Sky teams or old WAC teams. So let's play our Nevadas. Uh, screw Boise State because we can't play them at home, so I'm okay if that game never returns, and I will put that on the record. 
Uh, I'd love to see like Nevada, UNLV, et cetera, um, us play a group of five teams that we might be able to be competitive and do play our part in the fear of the FCS. Then I would love to see us get involved in this Missouri Valley Challenge game like series. So I'd love to be like Montana did and get to play South Dakota or uh, uh, NAU getting to play Missouri State. I'd love for a game like that, do an exchange home and home because that keeps the cost down. You're both coming home. Uh, so you know that way you're not doing the whole we'll pay you 200000 to come to Moscow. Do a home and home with them. So we go to Brookings and then they come to Moscow or whoever it is. I know South Dakota is a bit of a reach, but you and I, whoever – um, a Missouri Valley team, a very comparable team. Then I'd love for us to do kind of a, another home and away with an FCS team because I think, like Brian said, FCS wins are important. If we're going to have a typically an 11-game schedule, playing 10 games against the FCS is absolutely crucial that we can show an 8-2 and two FCS record, uh, which is way better than, let's say, a 7-2 and two record if you play uh, a D2 school in the middle. I think no Division One program should play down. I know that the FBS playing the FCS seems like that, but they're both D1. That's why I'm okay with it. We should never play NAI D3 or D2. I just don't think it should exist, so I'm totally against that. But I would love to see us play like a lower-tier team, kind of like Montana did last year with, like a, I think it was Drake or Wagner that they had come in. Play a team like that and do home and away. So what, we have to travel to the Northeast and play, I don't know, Long Island. But, you know, do a scheduled game with that where instead of scheduling a D2 team, there are a lot of really bad FCS teams that at least it's a win that counts towards the playoffs, like Mississippi Valley, Grand State, or wherever Jerry Rice went. Schedule one of those teams home and away. Yeah, it sucks when it comes to the Dome, and yeah, it's not going to be very fun to go there, but at least it counts as a playoff caliber win. Both ways, you're not paying anybody to come see you, which helps us with our deficit problem. We're playing some group of five team that will pay us somewhere between 100000 to 300000 400000 to play them. I think that helps solve a lot of issues. That's how I would like to see the schedule played out, which brings us to our second and last, because we're only doing two this year, and it's going to be kind of based on what we aren't going to talk about in fan interaction. Um, the next one is from Martin Heemstra at Hemi underscore 71. Hashtag ask TATC. Now that it is September, Terry Golick is officially the athletic director. What is the first issue we'd like to see her take on? Football coach, men's basketball coach, Title IX issues, or is there something else altogether that needs to be handled? TJ, let's start with you again. Yeah, I think football is the biggest thing to look at off the start. Um, I think she has to settle in a little bit and kind of get a feel for how this program's looking. I know probably there's a lot being presented to her from, you know, current, you know, faculty and, and administrators and donors and everything like that. So I think there's a lot of you know noise coming at her on what to do, how to run this pro- program and everything like that. But I think football is to look at off the start. I think basketball is kind of in place, you know, with the stadium being built and, you know, new coach coming in, that's kind of a fresh start. And that'll happen the way it is. But I think football is the biggest thing to look at right now on how do we improve this, this program and how do we make it a big sky program. So the first thing I want to hear about from Athletic Director Golick and from President Scott Green is how we're going to improve our athletic department's deficit, uh, which is a huge reason why we just had our last question of, hey, what's the best kind of scheduling for us? And a lot of the time we talked about how do we schedule these buy games. The better our deficit is, the fewer those buy games are. But most importantly to me, a couple summers ago, when back when we had Chuck Staben, he had to have the plan submitted to the State Board of Education about how they were going to fix the deficit. Otherwise, programs are going to have to be cut. 
women's soccer was a program that was listed as theoretically on the chopping block. That was the year after our women had their huge game against Boise State where they had around 4,000 people in the dome. It's important to me that the student athletes who play sports that aren't football do not lose their scholarships for reasons that have nothing to do with them. So I want to hear how President Green and the athletic director are going to re-engage the donors. And I also, they're probably going to have to do some cost cutting. I want to hear about how they're going to, to do that as well. Yeah, there's a ton of things I think we'd all like to see happen. I know one thing Shannon Kelly went on was attendance. And I agree, I think attendance has been down. It's been dropping every year, even when we were bad. It used to be better. But I guess that thing I want to see the most, and this is just greedy. This is hypothetical, I guess. But if she could get it done, I would love to see this. I don't know. I know, Brian, you watched it. I don't know everybody else who checked out the Montana game against South Dakota. You might have noticed that South Dakota had a whole side of their stadium blocked off. They're currently going a huge renovation on their like east wing of their dome. And to keep it very Martin-centric, I'm going to keep this very dome-centric. The Kibbe Dome has had some, let's call them facelifts, over the last couple years with Rob Spear putting in the glass windows, the Bud and Jude Ford Center, uh, moving the press box over, really lightening it up and painting everything from black and yellow to like white. We got new field turf installed. And yeah, we've got... The, the locker rooms and everything got renovated with some Mikey Potty money and the weight room got some money, the Iverson Speed Center and everything like that a couple of years ago in Sprinter. But even those are now a decade, 15 years old, some of them. Eastern Washington is about to announce that their stadium is pretty much going to be done, uh, like approved, and they're just going to start building. I think they just announced just the other week on their Facebook page that they're moving forward with it. Montana State has just started their huge 20-year project to redo like everything from their mezzanine walking to the game, to their end zones, to basketball facilities, to tennis facilities, like everything. Uh, Weber State just <laughs> announced a huge new athletic facility in one of their end zones with amazing locker rooms. And I will feel that we might be, yes, we're about to have a really beautiful basketball arena and I am so happy for that. I don't want to feel like I'm taking that for granted. But I would love to see something else put into the dome. We always talked about a second um, uh, second balcony above to add attendance or digging it down and adding more seats or blowing out one of the end zones and adding seats. I don't know what it is. I don't know if any of those are the options, adding seats, especially if we're not selling them. But do something to make the dome more modernized. Everything we've done has really helped, but I feel like we're just missing a couple pieces to really make the dome a home for the Vandals for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Right now, I think we did some things to make it livable, but haven't really made it a home. Hypothetically, my favorite thing to do would take after Safeco and Dallas Cowboy Stadium and everybody and have the roof retract so that we could actually have some sunset, like sunlight in there on nice days. But uh, we don't have that kind of money. I understand that. But, for example, I would just love to see something, some kind of plan. It doesn't have to happen, but like how Montana State has had their plan I would love to see something that we have idea about the dome so it doesn't doesn't just sit there and rot and then become a huge problem again for us in 20 years and we're like, why haven't we been taking care of it? It's going to need constant improvement at this point until we decide to rip it down and build something new. Um, so that's what I would like to see. I believe I smell hot wings cooking, TJ. Woo! Bring out your wet wipes. It's time for TJ's wing corner. Um, I'm going to give some shout-outs to Boise since I was there this weekend and um, two spots. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with the Dutch Goose. I recently got wings from them. Uh, I was on in State a, Street? Yep, on State Street. Two, two of these places are on State Street. 
I'm going to start out with uh, the Dutch Goose did a great job. Uh, I got w- wings on Friday afternoon in preparation for a wedding. I know it's a great wedding pregame if you're wondering. Um, solid overall wings. G- well cooked. Great sauce. Great buffalo sauce. Consistent. Good you know, ratio of wings to drumette, which you always want. You want a little bit of both. And then not only that, they topped it with blue cheese bits on top. So you can't beat that. It's great. Great wing overall. Also... Sorry for everyone who I put our podcast into their ear out of my phone this weekend. I know I showed a lot of people that, and I think a lot of people will share it around. Shouts out Alex Grealish. She said she's going to do a great job of passing it around. Um, but, yeah, uh, um, I asked the people at Dutch Goose, and they said, yes, they do have a, uh, a, t- a couple TVs that is has streaming capability, and they would download Pluto, and they would show the games out there. So, if you're in the Boise area around State Street, uh, the Dutch Goose has a couple TVs that'll put on Pluto for you. Um, go ahead and ask. Say TJ sent you from TJ's Wing Corner. They'll know what it is. Um, also, I stopped by the gathering too. Um, I was I was out there in Eagle, and wow, that was the first time I've been out there. And that is a true, true vandal bar, other than the ones in Moscow. Everything there, um, black, silver, and gold. They had the schedule on the wall and the biggest poster I've ever seen. That was a really cool place. I know a lot of vandals are watching out there, so support them at the gathering place too. I will say that's one of my cardinal sins is I've never been out there, and I've known it's been the biggest vandal it bar was in awesome. the area. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad to hear it is everything has been cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. And I apologize for never making it out there because I would usually be the person that would do that. Um, I've had zero – no, that's not true. I got hot wings from the Lowe's Hotel in Dallas. Nice. Um, the live Lowe's Hotel. Right there by the stadium, and I will say they were uh, mediocre. So if you're in Thank Dallas, you. I honesty. would <laughs> I would pass and just get them from Texas Live or the ballpark. Nice, Brian. Any wings you brought up this week? Is this how we're doing this segment? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, my favorite place to get wings is still Gambino's. Nice. I like how hot the sauce is, and I like that the last times I've I've had wings there, the the meat quality on their wings is higher than it is at most places. And I worked at the Ale House back when I was oh. an, under, an undergraduate. <laughs> So, um, you guys are yeah, both man, alehouse grads. Me as well, Brian. I did not know this. Yeah, many, many great men yeah. have, have worked under Wendy. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, alehouse is a great place uh, <laughs> where, met, where boys become men and learn how to work as line cooks. And drink 10, uh, yeah, and drink 10 high whiskey. <laughs> so, <laughs> why, why are they not a sponsor, guys? Come on. We could have been doing an ad read about. This is on us, alehouse. Brian. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Wendy. Get on these guys. Um, that brings us to closing the bar. We really need some like sound effects for when we switch yep. segments. Like closing the bar of like a creaky door. Anyways, we're closing the bar. We're gonna start with everyone kind of tell, ex- remind people how they can find you. Let them know what you got going in on in your life and where you're gonna watch the Vandal game. At TJ Hopkins thirteen on Twitter. Um, I'm awful at it, but I check it periodically. If you guys have any questions or just wanna. If you have a wing for me, let me know. I'll shout it out for sure. As far as what's going on in my life, like I said, I'm very sorry for everyone whose phone, my phone, I put into their ear this weekend and asked them to listen to the podcast. But I hope you guys listen. Keep talking about it. Keep sharing it around. I think word of mouth is the best way for us. Brian? Oh, where are you watching the game? Sorry, TJ. Uh, Pluto TV at home this weekend. Brian? So you guys can find me on Twitter at Brian Marceau. That's M-A-R-C-E-A-U. And as far as what I'm working on, 
I'm still the the sports editor for the Montana Mint newsletter. Sign up there at montana-mint.com. But also, you know, we're going to have some more regular writing at tubsattheclub.com this year. We've already published two separate power rankings, a preseason power rankings for the Big Sky and also our week one rankings for the Big Sky. And I write out so far, it's been 2,500 words, special attention given to Montana, Montana State, and Idaho. You know, if you're if you're looking for content similar to let's say like the Ringer or like Grantland for the Big Sky, this is this is essentially it. So check out our our podcast. Sorry, check out our, our power, my power rankings. You can find them at tubstheclub.com. Also, if you follow any of us on Twitter, we send it out too. Yep. And uh, where you where you watching the game? I learned you already probably watching the game in Moscow. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I you can find me at Chris underscore P underscore Hammond. Um, what I have going on in my life, I will just say, I, most of you probably know from last week, I got to go to Oregon versus Auburn last week uh, down in Arlington, Texas for the Advocare Classic. Southerners are just a different breed, man. I think I'm in the wrong part of the country. I love it up here, but do you know they wear – I just want to tell a quick story. You can tell fans so differently down there. I'm just sitting there as the neutral guy. I don't really care who wins, and I'm sitting up on this balcony. All the Auburn people – the guys are in like polos or button ups, or some people are legitimately in suits in 98 degree weather in Dallas. And the women are all in like sundresses, and they all wear little pins that have like the logo to let you know who they're rooting for. Oregon women were all yoga pants and t shirts. And the guys, some of them had polos, and then most of them were wearing jerseys. And I was just like, the difference between game day in the South and game day in the Northwest, where we're like athletic wear, and I want to pretend like I play on the team. And then it, Auburn fans are all like dressed up. It's true. And they're incredibly nice, which is crazy. They accidentally were talking smack when we got in the elevator, saw my like dad's organ hat, and they were like, oh, we apologize. Like They were upset that they got caught talking smack um, after the game, and then they apologized for it. So different breed. Where I'll be watching the game, however – is uh, hopefully I'll convince TJ to come on over and some other people, and uh, I want to get some outside patio watching before the weather turns up here in the northwest for the worst and get some outside football. But uh, it's a night game, so that that should be interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, wrapping up the last little bits of closing the bar. Everybody, follow at Big Sky Podcast on Twitter. That's at Big Sky Podcast. That's obviously the Big Sky Podcast Network, also known as BSPN. So you can follow all our developments and receive all our content throughout the season. That is Brian's power rankings and on Mondays. That is the knowing that all the other podcasts that are posting on Tuesday, like the R&R CatCast and NAU and Big Sky Sports. And then Wednesday, you're going to know that the Big Sky Big Takes has been recorded, which you'll find right here in your tubs at the club stream. Even though this week, for instance, Brian and I are not on it, it will still be there. So make sure you still give it a listen because it still should be great content. Uh, it'll be Kyler and some other guys this week, so you'll love it. Thursdays, obviously, is Tubs at the Club and a couple other podcasts like the Montana Mint and Grizz Fan Pod. And then Friday will be our little gambling, Big Sky Better Lines take. And then Saturday's game day, so make sure you follow us there to make sure you stay up to date on everything that's happening in the Big Sky Podcast Network because it's getting a lot of traction, and it's really cool that we're find, founding members here at Tubs at the Club. So make sure you give it a follow. Uh, we have like 800-something followers on Twitter, and I think Big Big Sky Podcast Network has like 150. So some of you, go give us some love over there. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Next week, we are back as we take on the Cowboys of Laramie, Wyoming, and the University of Wyoming. But now it's time for 
I can hear him firing it up now. Martin Heemstra and the best band in all the land, the sound of Idaho, to play us out. Go Vandals. Go Vandies. Go Vandals. <laughs>